Are the defending champs about to wrap up a five-game road trip without a win? Will one of the top teams in the East continue to struggle? We've got a revenge game on Friday night slate. Welcome to Hardwood Parlays. I'm your host, Bobby Kravitsky. On Monday, we went 7-1. and one. Don't worry, I've had time to get back in the lab and rectify that. And today, I found a lot of better friendly lines on FanDuel. So that's where each of the figures mentioned are coming from tonight. Starting with the Heat taking on the Pacers in Indiana. Give me Indy at plus four in this one. You can grab it at minus 112. Miami has one more win than them in one more game. But I love this Pacers squad. Halliburton and Matherin are building blocks to a winning foundation and make for a really exciting thought of what the future could be for this team. But at the same time, they're a lot of fun to watch in the present. They're generating the fourth most points per game. And they have a bit of a run-and-gun Warriors vibe to them, like those Monte Ellis squads and even the teams that predate his time in the Bay. And at the same time, just like those run-and-gun teams where it was Nate Robinson, for instance, putting up a ton of points and taking much better opponents than them to overtime, not a lot of defense played from this Pacers squad so far. They rank 27th on that end of the floor. But again, it makes for an entertaining product. And usually it's a high-scoring affair when they take the court. And then conversely, I'm down on the Heat's outlook for this season. To me, they're fighting to avoid the play-in tournament and might not make it out of there. They could get cooked by Trey Young if they end up matching up with the Hawks in there. And that's a bit of revenge for ATL after the Hawks lost to them in the playoffs last year. They could go toe-to-toe with the Nets and come up short against Kevin Durant and company, especially if Ben Simmons is further integrated and continues to knock some of that rust off. They go up against the Bulls with Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan. That could end in an L. So I'm not sure what the future is for this Miami team, that heat culture. It's easy to make fun of it, but we all know it's a very real thing. And I love this team defensively and what they're capable of. But to me, they just don't score enough points for me to buy into them. Kyle Lowry, yes, he's been better of late, but at the same time, this is a player in decline who's an undersized guard. They usually don't age well to begin with. And he's done so for the most part throughout his career. But you can just see it even when the numbers look pretty good. He's making less and less of an impact on the outcome of the game, and he's certainly not able to take it over like he once was. And then you look further down the depth chart, and Duncan Robinson, I'm not writing him off. He could get hot at any time and come out of this over-year-long funk, but at the same time, it's fair to question, maybe he's someone who's a different player when the stands are filled compared to when he broke out during the pandemic in the bubble and then parlayed it in empty stadiums. But it seems pretty shortly after those crowds filled in and packed the stands again, that he wasn't putting up numbers and that lethal threat from beyond the arc that warranted such a lucrative contract from the Heat. And look, I love Bam Adebayo, but at the same time, he's not even a 20-point-per-game scorer. So as good as he is on both ends of the floor, it does put a lower ceiling on his impact on winning, and especially come the postseason. This is also a thin supporting cast surrounding their top players like Jimmy Butler and co. And they rank 26th offensively in points per game. I said I'm down on them. On that end, it's been the case for a while now with this Miami team, not just this season. And defensively, they're below average so far to start the campaign. So overall, long-term outlook, I'm sour on the Miami Heat. And I would even double down in this one tonight. And I would tell you to take the Pacers' money line at plus 144. I think at that value, it's worth taking a chance on and seeing if Indy can get this win on their home floor. Next matchup I want to dive into, the Knicks taking on the Sixers in the city of brotherly love. New York's lost three in a row. Offensively, things seem to be clicking. They rank 12th in points per game, and that makes them much more fun to watch than a season ago. 
adding Jalen Brunson to the mix has predictably had a significant impact on this team. And too many times people get caught up in what someone does for a franchise's championship potential. Brunson's not that, but they desperately needed another ball handler, another shot creator, and someone who can help make life easier for that supporting cast. And Jalen Brunson is already doing that for the Knicks. And then I look at R.J. Barrett. I'm a huge fan. I'm certainly not selling my stock. And he's putting up 18 points per game this season, which I like. But then when you look at the rest of his production, he's generating less than three assists per contest. That figure needs to come up. And he's also shooting below 24% from beyond the arc while taking fewer than four free throws per game. So all of that needs to get elevated by Barrett. Still a really good player, but you can't struggle from beyond the arc, not get to the free throw line, and not create points for your teammates. So R.J. Barrett, I believe in the work ethic, and you can see it's obvious with his ability to consistently improve different facets of his game and 18 points per contest. That's pretty good figure right there. But there are some clear areas where RJ needs to work on. And we're just looking at the offensive side of the court when we say that. This is also a Knicks team that is average defensively. They just have too many players to target from Evan Fournier to Brunson in the backcourt. That's not a winning formula. And I think what they've done so far, it's an early snapshot, but an accurate barometer. The Bucks, the Cavs, and the Hawks handled them. And then they got wins against the Magic, the Hornets, and the Pistons. So as much as I like Brunson's ability to elevate this team's win total this season and the fact that they're now able to rely less on Julius Randle to create offense, whether it's for himself or in rare instances for his teammates, I still think the Knicks probably missed the play-in tournament this season. And I think that it points to they should have bet on Donovan Mitchell, who's playing like an MVP candidate so far to start the campaign. And I understand that Danny Ainge wanted them to overpay. At the same time, if you go out and get Donovan Mitchell, I think it's a safe bet that at some point he can help you attract that top tier star to go out and win championships with. So no, I don't think Mitchell on his own would have done so and put you into that category, Knicks fans. But at the same time, I think that he would have been that step before completing the process and getting you into title contention and having a big name player say, you know what? Now the Knicks are viable. Now I can go there with Mitchell and maybe they keep Barrett out of the deal. Maybe they don't. But even if they have to send him to Utah, Mitchell alone is enticing enough for a second star and a bigger name than Donovan, someone who is a bigger player in stature, so able to make more of an impact at both ends of the court and lead to lifting the Larry O'Brien trophy, perhaps. That type of a player, that big fish that they've constantly chased, usually at the expense of first-round draft capital and come up short in pursuing, that type of player could have been calling the Garden home if they had acquired Donovan Mitchell. So I think that was a mistake, and it's being more and more clear to them as they see what Mitchell is doing in Cleveland. As for the Sixers, the other side of this matchup, James Harden out four to five weeks due to a right foot tendon strain. That equals more touches for Joel Embiid and Tyrese Maxey. So I don't necessarily hate it. Plus, they're better off defensively without Harden. I am concerned about the long-term impact of this injury on the Sixers and on Harden with can he stay healthy and prove durable while dealing with a foot injury the rest of the season, depending on how it lingers and how much it hinders him. But in the short term, I think they can tread water, and I think they should win tonight. They're only 1-3 at Wells Fargo so far, and if you've seen the Sixers in years past, then you know that's an anomaly. How long can that possibly continue against the Knicks? I think that's a, a good opponent for them to get right at home, 
and the line is only minus three and a half for Philly. You can get it at minus 110. So to me, take the Sixers tonight against the Knicks. Bulls are in Boston taking on the Celtics. I like the season. This one at minus seven. You can grab it at minus 114. This is a Boston team that has lost two of its last three games, both to Cleveland. They also suffered a heated loss in Chicago where they really lost their composure. They got upset with the officiating. Grant Williams got suspended for bumping a ref after he thought he took a charge. It didn't go his way. And after being so exasperated with all the other calls that he felt like were going up against him and against his team, he ends up jumping off the floor and trying to run to the bench, but on his path there, in case you didn't see this, inadvertently bumped an official, and that ends up costing him a game that he has to sit out and watch his team lose at home to the Cavs. So this is a bounce-back game. By the way, when they played in the Windy City, the Celtics had a 19-point lead in the first quarter. Now, I understand no advantage is safe in today's NBA, but they let it slip rather quickly and ended up getting the break speed off them in the second half by the Bulls. Also, this is a Celtics team that ranks seventh in points per game, but need to buckle down defensively. Where without Robert Williams, they are struggling at that end of the court. They rank 18th defensively. They need to prove that they can maintain their focus, that they can provide resistance throughout the course of a game because continuously they have these lapses. So the last thing they can do is get to the playoffs and regret wasting the regular season and not buckling down, especially when it comes to these departments that they can control no matter who's in the lineup. Effort, focus, energy, attitude, all of it, those intangibles, those are going to go a long way. They cost the Celtics last year. There's significant reasons why they came up short in the finals. In order to rectify that, they have to get right in those departments. And I understand when it comes to tonight's game, minus seven, that's a large spread. Maybe you don't want to play it, but I'm of the mindset that the Celtics determined to bounce back in a game, you know, a revenge one, if you will, as early as it is in the regular season. I think Boston wins convincingly at TD Garden. Then we have the Clippers taking on the Spurs in San Antonio. Under 225.5 is the play, in my opinion. You can get it for minus 110. L.A. is dead last offensively. They are barely producing over 100 points per contest. Meanwhile, San Antonio, I understand that they're eighth, but that's generating 115.8 points per game. The Spurs also don't get to the free throw line, so that doesn't help matters, which is good if you want to play the under like me. The Clippers, they're the best at keeping teams from earning trips to the charity stripe. Another positive that bodes well for the under coming through tonight. And while one side of this matchup ranks fourth defensively, I'm not ignoring that the other side in San Antonio is 25th, but the Clippers, Kawhi is out, and LA has been unimpressive. In back-to-back games against a Rockets team with one win this season, They struggled. One of those came down to a Paul George shot with about six seconds left to win by two points against Houston. So I think the under cash is in tonight at less than 226 in the Alamo. Another matchup to keep an eye on, the Hornets taking on the Grizzlies in Memphis. Give me Steven Adams to produce eight plus points and Memphis to get the dub at plus 132. I think those odds are worth taking a chance. You can also double down with me if you want and go for Adams to produce a double-double. You can pluck it at plus 310. So pretty good value, worth taking a chance on, especially if you want to just sprinkle some small money. Again, you should never really bet more than pizza money to begin with. So if you just throw $5 or so even at plus 310, I think Adams might come through for you tonight. He's averaging six points and 10 rebounds. He just needs to get one more bucket in order to hit that eight plus points and Memphis, they should be able to win against a Hornets team that in my opinion is the least talented in the NBA. So if he can do what he does on the glass, one more bucket and a Grizzlies win, I think that's all pretty realistic and tremendous value plus 132 
for Adams eight plus points and a Grizzlies win and Adams double double at plus 310. So to me, I think that's worth taking a chance on tonight. And then we have the Warriors in the Big Easy. Who would have thought Golden State would get off to such a slow start to the campaign? So give me C.J. McCollum to go for 22-plus points and a Pelicans win. Parlay those two. Double down at plus 154 odds. And then to me, you look at C.J. McCollum. I'll explore further here why I think he goes for 22-plus. Well, because he's averaging 20.7 per game. And now he's going up against a Golden State team. Not only are they 0-4 on this five-game road trip, not only are they on the second night of a back-to-back, but most importantly, they are resting Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, Draymond Green, and Andrew Wiggins. So in my opinion, this matchup in New Orleans, give me the Pelicans to stay hot, to get this win, and C.J. McCollum, it's less than two full points, more than his season average so far. I expect that to happen, and for New Orleans to defend home court tonight. Then we have an interconference matchup between the Raptors and the Mavericks in Dallas. I like the over in this one at 216. You can get it for minus 110. These two combined for over 229 points so far this season. Dallas, a top 10 scoring offense. Meanwhile, the Raptors are generating nearly 114 points per contest. So that bodes well. And they're just okay in the half court. No surprise there. That's their MO. But so is the fact that they rank in the top six in turnovers created. And they're in the top four at converting those giveaways into points. So I'm really encouraged by this Raptors team and just... What a tremendous job Nick Nick Nurse does of coaching them. Pascal Siakam having an outstanding start to the season. And so I, I'm encouraged by Toronto's play and what it means for their viability this season in the Eastern Conference. And then you look at Dallas. Last night, they were off. They haven't had a road game since October 27th. And Toronto, they didn't play on Thursday either. They're coming from San Antonio, but blew out the Spurs by 43 So both teams are fresh entering this matchup. I think that bodes well for that over at 216 points combined hitting. And again, you can grab it for minus 110. The Bucs are taking on the Timberwolves in Minnesota. I love Milwaukee in this one at minus three and a half. You can get it for minus 110. There's also, if you want to add more onto this bet, you can get a Giannis double-double plus a Bucs victory at minus 104. That's optimistic to me and something that probably comes through. The Wolves, this is a squad that's lost three of their last five games. And surprise, surprise, I railed against the Gobert trade while also applauding a team for being aggressive, for daring to be different, if you will, and for saying, you know what, we're not a championship contender, but we still want to take a big swing. I liked it from that sense, but overall, you can't mortgage the future to bring in Rudy Gobert, a player who just doesn't elevate your ceiling enough to make the juice worth the squeeze. And it's not a surprise at all that they are struggling to get the pairing of Gobert and Towns in sync. When Gobert is on the floor without Carl Anthony, they struggle offensively. When it's vice versa, they struggle defensively. And when the two of them are playing together, the team still has a negative net rating. Conversely, Milwaukee, along with Phoenix, those are the two best teams in the league. And it looks like we might have a finals rematch this season, at least on this early snapshot that we have so far. So I expect the Bucs to improve to 8-0 and keep it rolling tonight in Minnesota. That wraps up today's edition of Hardwood Parlays. The show will be back on Monday. And if you're enjoying the program, please like, rate, and subscribe. They're available wherever you get your podcast from, as well as on Believe.com. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy your weekend.